Welcome to the All Heart Podcast. My name is Noni Lamar. And my name is Thea Monier. And we're here to uh, heal the culture with uh, joy and pleasure. 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 Yeah. <sighs> hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. We missed you so, so much. We Ooh, missed each other. We missed each other. We've been sending each other voice, voice memos. Memo. That's been great. It has been great. I like that better than texting. Voice memos are great. You get to hear the loved one's yes. voice. I love it. So, y'all, you know, we, we had to take a little break that wasn't expected at all. No. Life happened. A lot of life happened. A lot of life has been happening. So we just wanted to come and actually do a check-in. Yes. And see, you know, how one another are doing. Let us let y'all know how we're doing. <laughs> Maybe y'all could tell us how y'all are doing. Yeah. And we appreciate all the listens and shares and follows and subscriptions. Like, y'all been still keeping us kind of relevant out here. So. Absolutely. And, like, I've seen people sharing in their stories or telling people to... You know, check us out. So that's always good to know that, you know, even when you can't be present because life is happening, that people care enough to keep it going for you. Yeah. It's a good feeling. Thank you, y'all. Thank you. Please, if if you're feeling this, can y'all leave a review for us Mm -hmm. and rate our podcast? That would be great. And then other people can hear it. I know um, I'm, I can speak for Thea because yes, I, I decided I can. She can do that. <laughs> I can report. The only time she don't let me speak for her is when I say that she light skin. But, <laughs> you know, I can speak for Thea when I say that we're doing good work here and we want Absolutely. people to hear it and we want to continue to build community with you mm. all. So please subscribe, rate us. You know, hit us up on IG. I really appreciate the DMs. Y'all be sending us something deep. DMs. DMs. Mhm. Appreciate. DMs it. are funny. Okay, so Thea, how you been doing? We can start with you. I no, got... we should start with you. <laughs> I want to start with you. I pass it back. <laughs> I give it to you, my friend. You start. Um. So what's been going on with me? My um. My life was going pretty cool. Things are moving along. And then my grandmother suddenly passed uh, about a week and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And that's just been really difficult. I think um, I, I'm going to let y'all know I'm probably not going to cry. Thanks. So don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. I've been crying so much. I had like a sty on my eye mm-hmm. from crying constantly. So my grandma, wonderful human being, flawed human being. You've referenced Wonderful. her so much mm-hmm. up here. I, I probably have. <laughs> we should go about back her. and collect the quotables. Um, probably, um, she's one of my best friends in the world, and she raised me from the time I was uh, an infant. My mom was a single mom. I think she left my dad when when I was about three, between three and six months old. When mm-hmm. I was an infant, my dad was super abusive, and so physically abusive. So my mom like left in the dead of night. I think she. Try to go to some other places, but ended up back with my grandma. My mom is super active. Like, she needs to be in in the mix. Mm-hmm. And so my grandma knew that about her. And so she quit her job. Hmm. And she ended up taking care of me so I didn't have to go to daycare or anything like that. And my mom went to work. So they switched roles. Mm-hmm. We lived up north at that time. And then, so we moved from L.A. to up north when I was an infant. And the toddler. And then we came back to the Inland Empire when I was two. And we moved in with her and her husband and her children. She has uh, like two two, st- two tiers of children. Mm-hmm. Older children and children that are, are closer to my age mm-hmm. as well. And so we live with her um, from the time I was about two until eight. And then I live with my mom for a little bit, like maybe a few months, mm-hmm. like six to nine months. Then I moved back with her until I was ten. Um, around the time I was nine, eight or nine, my mom left for a couple years. Mm-hmm. And so she wasn't even like in the house at with all. us at all. Mm-hmm. But it, that whole time, like between zero to 10, basically, it was she was my main caretaker. Your I lived in her home. Yes, mm-hmm. I lived in her home. She pressed my hair. Mm-hmm. She did my hair. She used to make me dolls, you know, mm-hmm. um, from from cloth. Mm-hmm. She used to make me my own cloth dolls. 
She would make my clothes. She would make my dolls clothes to match. Like she was just like a for real Louisiana mm. Southern woman. Grew up on um and by with cotton fields and picking cotton and just just strong beyond measure. And my early years with her, they were really a mix of fantastic and feeling loved up on and nurtured and feeling verbally abused too. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like a mix between those two things. She's really tough, tough as nails for sure. And she came from a background of being an orphan. Right. She had to be tough. She had to be tough. Her mom and dad gave her up and she lived with family for most of her life. And, you know, she had a lot of different husbands and boyfriends and baby daddies mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. And just a lot of treatment that wasn't the best. Yeah. And so by the time, you know, she got to us, it, man, I wasn't the only grandchild living mm-hmm. there, but I was the most consistent living there. So mm-hmm. people always lived there on and off mm-hmm. instead of going into foster care or whatever, right, you know, right. they would, they would go and stay with her. So that was until I was about 10 and I went to live with my mom who was working three jobs. We moved to Santa Barbara and I lived with my mom, but I was alone in that mm-hmm. house. She's working all the time. So that was for about three years. But on the summer times, I would, would go back to my grandma's house. And then I asked to go back because my mom wasn't, wasn't present. She yeah. wasn't present. Yeah. So I lived with her for a year, but I was 14. So, you know, you have 14 year old now. Good luck. Mm. <laughs> I was doing the most mm-hmm. at 14 and my mom my grandma was having to come find me where the places I said I was I wasn't there mm-hmm. I was with some boy so she had to keep coming to find me till she finally was like oh well, you gotta go now and then I live with my mom for um the end of 14 15 oh 14 that's it and then by 15 I was I was like doing me. Yeah. So we we moved to Vegas and then my mom was living in Sacramento mm-hmm. and I was living with my white step family. So yeah, 15, that's when I just, that's when, that's, that's when I was like, I'm me now. Mm-hmm. And then, um, 16 and 17, we moved back to, I can't imagine because the girls are between those ages yeah. and like, I'm like, like I literally got to remind y'all to. Nah, so much. And you were like, so independent already by that I age. was cooking all my own meals. I was taking care of myself. My mom was coming on the weekends, um, on and off. But for the most part, I was dolo. I learned that's when I learned about crack cocaine. Like mm-hmm. I was living in Vegas. Mm-hmm. I was living in Vegas, my nigga. Like <laughs> it was too much. I was learning about life, about like just being shot at. Like it was just a mm-hmm. lot. It was mm-hmm. Tupac died that year in Vegas. It was a lot. I'm telling yeah. you, it was the 90s. It was yeah. like super uh, 90s. Yeah. Super 90s. And I grew up a lot that year and I had no parental. That was the first year I remember like not having my grandma. Like that was probably like, oh, this is what it feels this like. Is, yeah. Because yeah. we kind of fell out when I was 14. So I was just, I was living. I mean, I'm so thankful that I was raised in the church because. I would have been out here if I didn't have like some sort of moral compass, you know, but I experienced so many things at that time, just feeling on fake titties, just, just, but not, not, not not by choice. Yes. (laughs) Like they were just there. Like my my friend's mom's be like, fill on my titties. I want you to fill on them and see if they feel real to you. And I'll just be like, okay. Oh I mean, I don't even think that that wasn't even molestation. It's just like this is Vegas. It was just, this, this is Vegas, Vegas life. Right. This yeah. is like she wanted to know if her titties were look feel real. So she got there and make that money, right? Right. Because she worked in a strip club. Right. Everybody were working at the strip club and the casino and the right. bar. Absolutely. So that's everybody, everyone. And this is the nineties. I can't. I don't know what it is now, but this is the nineties. Right. So at the time, I was about uh, my sophomore, my my junior and senior year. My mom had cancer, so. She kind of into that world. And then I was just, you know, doing me. So by the time I was about 20, I um, I realized I, I wanted to heal a lot of the stuff with my grandma because I saw her as mean. That was my, mm-hmm. my dominant narrative of who she was. I saw her as someone who cared for me a lot. And I realized she gave a lot of care to me as if I were her own daughter. Mm-hmm. And so I started making an effort to change our relationship. And I started calling her all the time. And at first it was really difficult. 
she would be like, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, what, mm-hmm. She Aquarius. So she'd just be real detached. And then... And she might have been hurt, too. Super hurt. That wall went up. Super, super hurt. And then, you know me, <laughs> I could wear anybody down with some love. Yeah. And I just wore her down with sweetness and love. And it took months, months. And then I just remember, like, sitting in her room, her old room, and having... I remember the sunlight coming through through the blinds or through the curtains in her in her room. And us sitting there together on these two chairs and just talking and she, her telling me about her life story mm-hmm. and her pain and her traumas. And I remember all of my anger melting away at that moment. Because mm, you understood. I understood. And we became really close. Mm-hmm. And we built our closeness over time. And the things that have been coming up for me so much have, have been about, like, her telling me, you know, a soulmate. What is that? And mm-hmm. me telling her, like, you're my soulmate. Like... Mm-hmm. We're soulmates to one another. We we um, we have an easiness and a care and a love that I've been feeling like I don't really know where else I'm gonna to find that. that. Mm-hmm. And that you know I've been really thinking about it. Feels like a tree has been cut down for me. Mm-hmm. And they say that you know the Africans. I'm gonna uh, the broad African stroke. Here it goes. Mm. Boom. <laughs> the Africans talk about that. That you know, when an ancestor dies, like a library is burned down, or a forest is burned down, and becomes an ancestor. Like that's that's how it feels. Like if it, it feels like I had this tree, and that tree gave me nourishment. And the library, that library reference is so strong too, because all the wisdom and knowledge and information that all of it is with them. All of yeah. it, and and really. She was never sick a day in her life. She died from a heart attack. She had a blood clot. And so even her doctor was surprised. She was 88. Everyone thought she was going to be living to 100. Mm-hmm. And when I got the call, like, I literally screamed. I'm not really um, uh, dramatic right. in, like that. Like, I'm drama. Right. <laughs> Let's be clear. As my man. I'm drama. But... I'm not the type to like react like yeah. that, but I just lost it and I just tried to run to the hospital. I didn't make it in time. They re they kind of brought her back to life and then she went down again and then I got there right after that, you know. So Who called you? My mom Martin. called me. My mom was traveling, is a traveling artist and, and singer. She's always been pretty much that. Mm-hmm. And so she was in an airport and she couldn't get out. And she was just like, I need you to get there. She was like, I need you to keep, make sure mom stays alive so I could say goodbye. And I was just like, I can't promise that. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And the days that have ensued have just been incredibly, um, it feels like a tornado. It yeah. feels like a hurricane. Uh, it feels like, you know, she was the heart of our family. And none of us have even seen her really have a cold. And so to see her gone just feels surreal for everyone. It feels like a shock. Um, there are folks that like still, you know, there's some of us that still had things to heal and there's some of us who've healed it. Mm-hmm. But for me, the hardest part has been like, I talk to her like almost yeah. every day. Yeah. Almost every single day. Like when my dad was sick back in October, I just, I would call her outside the hospital. Like my ability to be as strong as I am, as people call it, Because I've been really thinking, like, am I strong or am I just powerful? Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm powerful. And I think my strength really was coming from... Pulling from her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Knowing I had a place to lean. Knowing I always had a home. Knowing she has this brown couch she's had my whole life. Knowing I could go lay on that couch and take a nap. And her knowing I could lay on her. And, you know, I was talking to my mom yesterday. Like, I love you, mom, but, like, you don't you're not present like her. You don't you're not listen like her. Couch. You're not that, you know, and and you're something different and I appreciate who she is and and how she how she is too, but it's been feeling like I lost my mom, you yeah. know, in yeah. a in a big way cuz I've lost other grandparents. Mm-hmm. I've lost, you know, four other grandparents. I have like a step grandma that raised me too, but this just feels different. Yeah. And it feels like I lost a friend, a best friend, and it sounds like a part of your identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mom is just a really amazing 
person, very curious, always, always learning. She was actually a, a lot like how you constantly like are learning and going, getting education. Mm-hmm. She, that's how she was too. Mm-hmm. I had no idea of that till like five years ago when she started telling me all her certifications. Mm-hmm. She just is a person that was so humble and not ever showy about who she was and what Mm. she was doing but she was a great teacher she was an educator she retired maybe like eight years ago or so maybe not maybe six and um she was my second grade teacher and just really instilled in me like this love of learning and love of people and um Maybe some of her students will be attending. Yeah. That's always beautiful. Because yeah. especially, I love when teachers retire so late. I mean, like you see generations that they I mean, it probably will. Like, it probably will. That the, would be beautiful. The service is tomorrow. And I, I think there's going to be a lot of people there. Like, yeah. I've been trying to prepare my remarks for it. And I'm having a harder time, which never. I know. Yeah. This is really difficult to... For words to justify, I mean, for words to yeah, be able quantify, to hold, yeah, yeah, to hold. Honestly, you know, also your singing voice always, I feel like, can hold more. Like I love when you sing. Yeah, my mom was asking me if I wanted to sing, and I was like, ah, only in harmony. <laughs> <laughs> my mom's gonna probably sing a ton. I mean, the program's like, my grandma had, uh, what is it, like sixteen grandchildren, and like. I don't know, some like 20 great grandchildren. There's just so many of us. It's And everyone is either on their way or here. And so that's the other dynamic. All these people coming in. Oh, my Lord. All these different, you know, <laughs> grief processes coming together like tributaries to a river. You know, that can be a lot. It is. It is I'm like really resting in the fact that like I get the opportunity to be with a lot of my cousins to have so many first cousins, mm-hmm. I have 15 first mm-hmm. cousins. And, um, you know, my dad's tradition, your cousins and your aunts and your uncles, your aunts and your uncles are, are your parents. Your parents, yeah. And your, yeah. your cousins are your siblings. Yeah. And in many ways, some of my cousins I grew up with, like, like siblings. siblings yeah. And we grew up in my grandma's house together. My auntie lived across the street from her. So those first 10 years of my life, they're pretty idyllic. Like, yeah. A lot you know, of cousins, a lot of So family. many cousins. We always had two houses that we were in and out of. <laughs> we always had a ton of food. We were always riding our bikes, playing. Like, I kind of really, and I was in the suburbs, you know. So I had that idyllic, like, really fantastic first 10 years of my life, just living the dream mm-hmm. of being a child and being in my imagination and making movies and making plays mm-hmm. and playing G.I. Joe's. I grew up with a bunch of boys. So I just have been trying to figure out what's life now. Like what's, what's life. And the biggest thing Thea has been, you know, the day before she died, I felt lower spiritually than I've ever felt. Hmm. And I was like, I feel completely disconnected from spirit. And I remember something told me to call her because I hadn't talked to her in a couple of days. And I called her at night, which I don't do. And I talked to her, are you okay? You know, checking on her. I'm like, I love you. I just kept saying, I just want you to know I love you so much. I love you so much. I just wanted you to know that. I want to call and make sure, are you okay? You sound different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she sounded strange. She's like, I love you. I love you. I just kept saying, oh, I just want to tell you how wonderful you are, how much I love you. Like, give, like, mm-hmm. like thanks to thanks to the council, thanks to the right. homies that, that roll with me. That really had me calling her like that. But since then, but that day, that day I was so spiritually low. And then the next day, sitting in the ER with her her flesh that wasn't her anymore, mm-hmm. I felt completely filled up again mm-hmm. with God. And I've been filled with God ever since mm-hmm. to overflow. And I have... The way my eyes are seeing things are different. Mm. I feel like I have eyes that are seeing with new wisdom. What is my role now? How am I going to move now? How can I, like, I? how do I put this? Spiritually, I understand that this is a veil. And mm-hmm. spiritually, I understand that the ancestors that we, that we call on, they can help us even more from mm-hmm. the other side, mm-hmm. right? I have a question for you about that. Mm-hmm. Um but practically, I couldn't set up an altar until last night. Right, right. 
any other person passed, like... You quickly set something up, yeah. Last night was the first time I could really be in a place yeah. where I could accept yeah. this person is gone. Yeah. I'm going through all the stages of grief, right? Absolutely. Um, but I could be like, okay. Because you know, the reason that I did it is someone told me they need you as much as you need them. Mm-hmm. And I've been... That's what I wanted to ask you about, like... I didn't understand. Like, I think I un, I've heard that so many times mm-hmm. that I've been like, okay. But I've been like, what would she need me for? I think uh, one of the biggest things about the ancestral realm is being remembered, you know? And even we see that in, in Latin culture depictions. Oh, I, my children love Coco. Yeah, yeah you oh, know. It's Coco. being remembered, yeah. you know, I, I think. But why do they need it? I get that. But why do you think they need it? I feel like there's still, you know, we act like these worlds are so separate. And mm. they're actually as interdependent as the relationships we have yeah. here. You know, they feed, we feed off of each other, whether it's in this realm or the spiritual realm or the ancestral realm. There's definitely a connection that we all contribute something to each other or else why would there even be a necessity to acknowledge the existence of each other? So I feel like that remembering is part of what strengthens their their, their ability to help us back, like to be, hmm. for lack of a better word, useful, right? To to serve, mm-hmm. um, and we all have purpose. Whether we are in any of those realms, purpose is the number one reason we exist in those realms, mm. and it gives them a sense of purpose. Being remembered allows them to engage and act and support purpose. Is, is my understanding and my takeaway mm. from it, which is why I'm like so grateful that we celebrate cultures that that remember that existence. But also I think that that's a beautiful thing for that person to remind you of is the interdependence between them. Yeah. And the and being able to have that integral lens to see, see the mythical and the magical and the everyday awakening at the same time, which it sounds like when you talk about your eyes and new wisdom that sounds a lot like that, like being able to see the realms all coexist. Kind of together. Yeah. And, you know, it's been, I'm going to tell you, it's been awkward because Nipsey died like a few days yes, yes, after she died. Yes. And so, yeah, that's been weird. Yeah. It's yeah. been. I think that's what our voice memos suddenly. Yeah. We were doing it every day. And then that happened. And then something weird in me happened. Yeah. I mean, it's been strange. Like, like I really... I, I really respected Nipsey a lot, you know, and um, I was telling our, our producer that that I like listened to Nipsey a lot, mm-hmm. but she didn't even know. Like, like mm-hmm. yeah, like that. He's he's dope to me. Like, he's an example to has always been an example to me of how I want to affect other people's lives. Mm-hmm. Right. Once I started becoming aware of who he was and what he was doing, mm-hmm. this was like oh, I don't know, maybe three years ago or so. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, that's been weird that's, because my timeline has been flooded with yes. grief. Yes. So, and, and I've been that's grieving. What I was say. There's you had your grief, and then a friend of our family passed as well. Mm. Um, I'm trying to remember within days of hearing about your grandmother. Mm. I don't remember if it was days before. Again, timelines get screwed up when it comes right. to grief. Um, a friend of the family passed. And a friend's aunt passed, and then a a friend of ours, um, who you know as well, um, had a stroke and is in the hospital. Really? Uh huh. And um, so it was it was a lot. And then Nipsey happened. I found myself like um, every day I went to my altar to pray for more and more people, and every day I went and I had to add new names and. And it, it was just kind of like, what's going on? Uh, this is what I'm saying. Like, last night there was a vigil outside my house while I was building my altar. Right. I'm building up my altar, and I look outside, and there's a vigil. Like, with my streets flooded. Right. With who's the vigil for? Nipsey. Oh, was it? Really? Like, flooded. My street oh, wow. was flooded. All the yeah. way coming, the, all the, the way pictures into... pictures of the candles in, on Crenshaw, it's like a sea of candles and it's beautiful to see. And I think, I don't know. I don't know. It's again, like it's weird, but I'm, I'm, I'm a person who I strongly claim LA. Like we'll fight, (laughs) we'll fight. I refuse to be viewed as 
some I get you. guru, whatever. And I'm very protective of L.A. in the sense of people always like, L.A. is so fake, L.A. is so fake. No, Hollywood is fake. Right. L.A. is real as fuck. L.A. is real. L.A. is Nipsey. He... he he is the epitome of L.A. to me. Mm-hmm. Like, that is how we roll. Like, we are some of the deepest and gangsters and crazy mm-hmm. and yet level and energy-seeking and understand knowledge-seeking. And we are complex. And right. we walk in all that beautiful complexity. And we grow from it. And it just feels so, you know. And, and it's also, I think, particularly if you grew up during those 90, that 90s era, I wrote something about, like, if you were initiated on the Shaw, you know what I'm saying, right? (laughs) Then, like, there's a particular feeling in your bones, Mm. you know, when somebody who really represents what we're about, not that Hollywood shit, that everybody tries to subscribe to L.A., that's not L.A., Mm -hmm. you feel it because we're very connected, you know? And so I think... When I left that area, I was grieving because of the gentrification. Right. And and so when people talk about gentrification in this very objective, business-like way, right? This is just whatever. Yeah. They do not think about the spiritual aspect of it. They do not think about the emotional. Cycle, emotional. Yeah. They do not think about the fact that every time black folks have grown new roots, mm-hmm that they are consistently attacked at the root. Mm. We are consistently attacked at the root. This thing about, okay, once I settle down roots, I'm going to have to bring them up or they're going to get chopped off and I'm going to have to move and start new roots, you know, like like a succulent, mm-hmm. you know? And people just like, like make it okay. And it's not okay. It's devastating mm. because... Roots are safety and security, and the root chakra is family. And I mean, so we're people, getting back to that tree metaphor. That tree, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. and root. If we don't have safety and security, we can't get to that sacral. We can't get to that joy and that pleasure and that creativity. And it's a miracle that we do. And Nipsey's an evidence of the miracle, right? That we have roses that grow from the concrete all the time. That that is something that we also produce. But the attack on it, you know, for me, it was so visceral. That's why I moved. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to leave my city. I didn't want to leave my area. But emotionally, I felt completely devastated. I remember. Even when I tried to yeah. move within my own area and I was being priced out and redlined, you know, it yeah. was just violent. And finding out that Nipsey was buying up blocks, you know what I mean? And that he was yeah. doing that work, I felt protected. Mm. I felt, um, I felt protected. It was almost like a superhero. <laughs> like he was coming there. And even though I didn't live in that space anymore, I was there as frequently as I could be. And I, it gave me hope that I could return. For sure. You know? Um, and so... It was very much like, oh, we can all do this. It was beautiful. Yeah, to me. It was, it was like, beautiful. Oh, we can all do this. It was like, beautiful. Look at this. And it gave us safety that we haven't felt... You know, people talk about safety in terms of gang stuff. You know, you, we know people have been working in our community and things have been, crime has been down. And we we know the stats that other people don't give a fuck about. But but he was protecting us from the outside people. He was yeah. protecting us from the people who are violating us and, and the world makes it okay because they throw up a Kaiser or a wall or, a, you know, yeah. a Bed Bath & Beyond, right? So I think that's been a big part of people's response um, that he was literally one of us never left, just never left. And his, and his relationship with Laura Lund, with Lauren Lund was beautiful. And like to watch them, both of them being from, you know, mm-hmm. from our hood was just like a beautiful story. Um, and yeah, so I think, and then, like I said, a friend who is close to us being in the hospital and their family going through a lot, there's just been a lot of that, you know, and, and knowing that, I think what it's done, though, is um, I I agree with the veil. I agree with the veil. And one of the things that has come out through this is like understanding and witnessing us being a universe, that each person is a universe and the Mm. complexity of holding multiple emotions at the same time. Mm. Right. The fact that we can hold grief and someone can make us laugh and that doesn't minimize the grief and it doesn't minimize the laugh. Mm. The capacity Mm. is what I've seen. Like 
we're walking in a new capacity. And I don't know if we're aware of the fact that we're demonstrating universe-like behavior, mm. but, the, but we are. The fact mm. that we could hold nip, grief for Nipsey and a peace treaty and celebrate that in the same bodies is evidence of how much of a universe we all are and our growth and our capacity, right? That we weren't limited to the grief, to the anger, but we're able to hold space for all these other emotions as well. I, I really like that. I've, I've been thinking a lot about allowing. Her, her sudden death, it was like, you can't control anything no. anymore. No? No. Like, I have a controlling nature in many ways. Like, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a plan, and I'm gonna check with you, and I'm gonna make sure this plan is gonna happen. And then, yeah, all you know, all of my all of my Earth sign stuff, and it's just like there's there's, you know, I, I'm not in con, I'm not in control. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not in control. I'm in the driver's seat of right. my life. Right. I'm not in control of anybody else. Right. How do I allow what's happening? How do I really and just, trust it? How do I allow what's happening, yeah. even if it's not what I'm feeling even right now? It's not now. what I want to happen. Now, I have, I have a very, this is a, a shout out to all my Tauruses listening. Mm-hmm. If a Taurus, we not feeling something, shut the fuck down. We shut down and we get out of the situation. Yeah. <laughs> like, yo, I, I'm about to step out. But there was no getting out of this. There's no getting out of and nothing. And you couldn't even shut down. There's no getting, yeah. and, and it's like, let me allow, I, I don't want to have this conversation right now. Yeah, not with you, but I'll be in stuff like I don't feel yeah. like talking about like this. Yeah, who who gives a fuck? Right. Yes, I've seen you do that. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. But, but now it's like you know what? So what? You don't you don't want to? Mm. Who are you? Mm. You don't want to. Mm. You posted something this week. It said, um, "When we accept that the relationships aren't here to bring us joy, but rather to to make us more conscious." Mm-hmm. I think it was an Eckhart Tolle. Um, mm probably butchering the quote, but that was the idea, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Like, okay, this isn't bringing me joy right now, but it is making me grow. Yes, that's the this balance. Of the, that's the, 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 the idea that things don't happen to us to be categorized as good or bad. They happen to bring us information, new information, new things that we will need to usher in a new level, period. And the, the judgment of whether mm. those things are good or bad is ours. We create that judgment. But the reality is it's all just different forms of information. And, you know, when you mentioned the suddenness of it, so I'm reading Kali Rising, and the description of your grandmother, she's like, she is the... To, so when we think about right. feminine and masculine energy, right. we think of it yin and yang, but we don't think about yin, masculine, and yang, feminine, mm-hmm. which are two other components. It's really four. Mm. And so she demonstrated yin feminine, which is like that nurturing For sure. birthing womb. But she also demonstrated yang feminine, which is the um, push, the birthing, the the instant, mm. the instant boom, the spanda, right? The, mm. the ripping open. Mm. And it's funny because I think two of the last places that we have allowed Kali, Shakti, that energy, that right. spanda to exist, are birth, which is heavily being regulated. And, right, right. and so you're not even allowing that Kali energy to naturally... Uh, come forth the way we do now that, you know, we have wonderful midwives and doulas who are protecting that Kali process, right? right. But now you just made me think about it. Is the other one is death, right? Mm. It's the place where we can't stop her. And I remember reading in there that when she comes, her timing is impeccable and that people don't always like it, but she knows what they don't know about whether it's for their good. She knows better, right? That what's, that it's, something that's going to in some way enhance them that they don't even know yet. And and I used to I used to have this poem a long time ago called Dragon Lady. It was about mm. my grandmother. <laughs> As I've grown older, I started learning about um what's the it's in the comedic starts with an S. It's an energy that's very similar to um Oya Kali. Mm-mm. It's mm. it's in the comedic tradition. Okay, um, I'll remember it. Okay, but ba- basically, she's a she's a darker she's a darker goddess. Mm-hmm. It's the darker face of the goddess, mm-hmm. right? And I and I think coming to terms with 
one of the first things a lot of, of my family said is, I'm so hard, happy she was so hard on me. Mm. I heard that so much. Mm. The first day, the day she died. Mm. I'm so happy she was so hard on me. Or else I would have been fragile out here. Mm. Or else I would have been broken out here. Uh. Or else the world would have got to me. Uh. And I'm like. She's the necessary love. And it's like, whoa, like, okay. Yeah, we know some of it was abusive. Okay. She's a human, right? Yeah. And we know some of it was mean. Okay. But that realness, that right. push, as you say, yeah. that first birth that I had, that tour, that I, I had almost a, a very, very bad tear. It it changed something in me. Yeah. Uh, I, w- I was torn yeah. completely yeah. from my ripped. from the way ripped from the way that that my birth happened from yeah. the way that my first life that I brought here the entered power into, of it the power of that child of that child that when you think oh about who God. that child is right <laughs> when you think about who that the child power of is. the child right right and my my um, force the force. That that was necessary to bring that. Well, then I learned how to birth differently Mm -hmm. with with great midwives Mm -hmm. the second time around of like really, Rashad really helped me with this, like learning how to breathe Mm -hmm. a baby out Mm -hmm. and to work with the energy, work with it, submit to the force of that. So that is the allowing. Mm -hmm. That is the allowing. Mm -hmm. But, But this this idea of. Sekhmet, that's her name. Sekhmet. When I started to learn about Sekhmet and that I walk with Sekhmet, because people don't see that on me all the time. People see a lot of kindness and love and gentleness. This podcast is called All Heart. It's called All Heart. Because that's that's who I am for sure, right? So, but that Sekhmet, that Sekhmet comes when you fucking with my money. (laughs) That Sekhmet comes when you fucking with my kids. Yes. That Sekhmet is a protective, like, the the health the well being my safety yeah they like, say um, like Oya's children like you do not want to mess with Oya's children mm-mm. and it's something interesting when I first was attracted like when I, she was the first Orisha that caught my that really caught me and people were like oh no I don't I don't really mess with her because it is a and I was like why I saw I I understood her I understood her right away and I think because the work I've done in mental health is always life or death. And to be at that bridge all the time determining how people get across it or either way is such an immense responsibility. Mm. It's a, a privilege, but it's a burden. And it's um, mm. you have to be a certain type of person. And so when I sit back and I think of Oya one, knowing that I was her child does come with a certain amount of feeling mm. protected, but also it came with the liberation to be wild and free and trusted, mm. to trust the wild and the unpredictable and the spontaneous, to know that in the center of that hurricane, in the eye of it is the most still, calm peace you could ever imagine. Mm. And that's where she resides, like looking over it and making clear decisive decisions that sometimes require that you can't be caught up. You can't be super emotional or you have to be so emotionally connected that you're still. But that's not the romantic uh, notion, notion no. of, of what's feminine. Right. We are, we're right. as a culture, we're getting into the Oshun energy. Right. We're all, that's the yin feminine. We're, we're comfortable with mama, mommy Wata. We're comfortable mm-hmm. with Yamaya mm-hmm. and Oshun. We want to live there. We want our feminine, mm-hmm. our feminine. And they folks. got stories too of cutting out tongues and, I'm you know, s- defying the sun, <laughs> like they, they some baddies, but you're right. The, but the we, romanticized version definitely femme, is yin what's feminine, feminine, not yang feminine. What's the, what that yin yeah. feminine, right? right. That's Oya what you're is saying. demonized because she's the yang feminine. And that so reminds me of your grandmother, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the necessary strength, the raw wildness, yeah. the untamable, like literally in Tantra, that's the only power that exists. Is the yang feminine? You can illuminate it through the masculine. You can reveal it. You can be conscious of it. Yes. You can nurture it. Yes. You can contain. But the spanda, the burst, is the yang feminine because that's that's the that's, that's the, the birth. The, that's, that's the, the boom. birth. Yeah. That's it. And so, and like, we, it's, we, we we the first, right? And so that 
the whole time you're talking about your grandmother, it's like women like that don't get recognized or honored for what they do. That's a Harriet Tubman, right? Like the women like that. I mean, truth be told, that's an Oprah. Yeah. That's that. Is that's that. That's Shonda Rhimes. That's that. F- <laughs> Beyonce. Like there's a, everybody yeah. we see that like rips open a new part of the world that was not accessible. And that's the energy that's going to make everything whatever it's going to be at the end of this particular I know but but when I look and I'm like yo but you had so many husbands though and like men and mm-hmm. and I mean she she because found a great husband that they, because that because that energy wants to tame something that is not is just not going to that yang feminine is not going to be tamed Ooh, it's hard to you know the it, it I feel a conflict consistently mm. inside of myself to how to live as both. Right. <laughs> how to give ourselves permission. I mean, I think this is why we're both interested in Tantra. I agree. I think this is why we're both, you know. Because I use what, what you're calling the Yang feminine. I use that in business. Mm-hmm. I use that at, at work. I use that out in the world, you know. And then the conflict comes in my home when I have that at home. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm always trying to like read some submissive books. <laughs> But it, you know, it depends on it depends on situation to situation because, like, it depends on who's accessing what at any given time. Since we all have all four parts, right? So what it really is is like if I recognize my partner is tapping into, you know, yin feminine, that I probably would be yang masculine to balance out the space, right? Mm-hmm. Or we just like paying attention to what energy is being used, partner to partner, person to person, connection to connection. And then looking and say, okay, this is the energy that's required. I had a client who was like, um, whenever she had to interact with men, she would like get herself ready, like to go in there, right? Like to like, really, try, yeah, because she didn't, you know, she felt like she had to meet that energy with that anim, that animus with more animus, that masculine with more masculine. And I told her, I said, you probably would have done better by yeah. increasing your anima, yeah. which doesn't necessarily mean yin feminine. It doesn't necessarily mean that. It could mean yang feminine, but either way, it would have to come from the feminine. Is I'm always trying to soften up when dealing with masculine energy, right? Right. My, I, I'm more so used that what you're calling yang feminine in the workplace yeah. dealing with, with feminine energy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, to balance it out. Yeah, when I'm dealing with feminine energy and I'm getting business accomplished, right? I step into more of that the feminine part of me that is more an yeah, oya yeah, yeah. energy, yeah. right? Like a kali energy. Yeah. That's that's where I'm usually coming from. Yeah. Like you know that working with me. Yeah, I'm like push, yeah. like produce, yeah. do, let's <laughs> Make it happen. come on. What's up? All right, yeah. get up. Yeah. Like yeah. like that that sure. feeling. But there's still you know that there's holding there, right? Yeah. I'm still holding you. Yeah, you know that's the tapas. But I'm always trying to girl. If you see how many times I'll be trying to drip honey on my tongue and like I know. put my melons out. Well, I, and like, I feel like I've been too, I've been too boxed into the yin feminine, which is why I cuss. Got you. I cuss to remind people I have a yang feminine. Mm. And and I mean, when it comes out, is I mean, I am a I am a child of Oya. It's harsh, and I know that. And so one thing that that yang feminine energy is very clear about is being timely and decisive with when to use it is not like you use it all the time that's interesting i'm thinking if, if mom ever apologized for being harsh mm. i don't think so mm. i mean but she did her because she because <laughs> listen she told like, me y'all all alive she was and- <laughs> she told me so like did you see your stomach when you put that dress on and i'm like mom like mom that's that's that made me feel bad when you say that you i don't want to ever wear the dress again and she's like look Someone need to tell you. Who else is going to tell you, right? <laughs> she said, I didn't want that job. But she said, look, I love you. You're beautiful. You're a beautiful girl. You could look better than this. Are you working out? <laughs> and then she offered me chicken and cookies. I'm like, mom, this is, this this isn't, is this ain't going to, this is confused. confused. What kind of black right. grandma shit is this? Come on. I'm so confused. But, that you is know, black grandma shit. But I would tell her like, mom, you know, I cried on my way home. You're calling me fat, man. Like, what's up? And she's like, I'm sorry you cried. Did you go to the gym? <laughs> <laughs> did you cry on the stairmaster? <laughs> did you did you 
cry on the treadmill. But I think a lot about the fact that she didn't eat too much. Mm-hmm. She didn't eat too much. She didn't end over and she indulged. She never overindulged. Right. She worked out every day. Mm-hmm. She worked out every day, my dude. Like every day since I've known her, she was mm-hmm. always like she about she, her body, about getting her calisthenics in. She yeah. was about her health. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I always thought it was aesthetic, you know. But she was like, no, that's well, your temple. I'm not saying it was right. I don't think fat shaming was right. <laughs> like, no, it was not wrong. right, 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 right. But I also know that she didn't apologize for being harsh. She didn't apologize. If you came to her house funky, she would make you wash your but, armpits. But like she, she, she just would. She's like, she's like, is that harsh though? To tell you <laughs> that you, I mean, I think, I think she didn't see it as harsh. She saw it as loving. She'd be like, look, do you want to walk? Okay. She wouldn't yeah. embarrass you. She would say, come here for a second. And she would give you a bar of soap. A stick of deodorant and a towel. If you was real funky, she would give you an alcohol bottle and tell you to swab the alcohol swab under it. your armpits and say, look, there's no reason for you to smell like this. Because you know who's not going to do that? The kids on the schoolyard who's going to tease the shit out of you. <laughs> right? So it's better that. And also, like, you know, we could... You know, fat shaming aside, there's like we all put on stuff that ain't quite right, right? And if there isn't, I'm gonna be honest. There's people I see come through, or like you know, they'll be in the waiting area for therapy, and I'd be like, uh, uh-uh, I'm not taking that one because they had to walk by numerous people. Stop it with that makeup <laughs> and that hair, and nobody said nothing. Look, no friends. Look, there's nobody. Look, I, that concerns it look good me. to me. There was one we saw in the lobby the other day, and I had like six people go it out looked, there and check to make sure looked, I saw what I saw. And I said, do not. It looked good to me. It did. <laughs> it did. She was trying to protect you from the outside world. I mean, I'm not saying it was right. I'm just yeah, saying I mean, she, she didn't, didn't apologize. She probably thought it was love. She did think it was love. And it could have been I mean, for her. The funky <laughs> arms, I think, was love. Because I'm one of them kids who would have been like, yo. Yo, I paid a lot of money for that dress. you got a couple noodles I paid a lot of money for that dress. I can't put it on. Not the dress. I can't. <laughs> Not the dress. I can't, she made it harsh about the, the dress. I'm like, mom, come on. But she made it harsh about the dress. But come on. the underarms, <laughs> I feel like a good black grandmother is going to say something about that. For sure. <laughs> for sure. Because I'm that kid who would have been like, you smell like cup of noodles. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you would have said. I mean, playground. you probably like, would. You good at cut. You good at. I'm good you, at the you, quick you, now, I wouldn't have been like trying to be mean. It would have just been like what rolled out of my mouth. Like, well, can we start? Ooh, like we, didn't, we didn't start where we 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 didn't record because someone was at sex therapy. Remember? I was at sex therapy school. I call it sex school. I was you at sex, sex school. school. I was at sex school. Yeah, and it's you know it's an immersive. I was worried intensive. about Thea. Yeah. <laughs> I was worried about Thea. It was a lot of things, you know. I am a Cali kid. My dad's from Panama. His family's from Barbados. In other words, we do not do cold weather, like <laughs> genetically, right? So first, I had to adjust to the cold. Then, the East Coast, the jet lag, man, it's rough going from Cali there. Like I was just, I think I spent the first three days just recovering from weather and jet lag. I was like in my hotel room. Um, and, and it's eight days straight, eight hours a day, and it's pretty immersive. You know, it's really, it's interesting because because I went the first time, the second time I knew there's going to be what I'm learning in the room and there's going to be what I'm learning for myself. Mm, they the they run parallel, yeah, about the process, about myself. And so, yeah, it was, a be- it was you know, the, it, 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 there was rough parts. Um, we went into some of the more intense controversial aspects of sexuality, pedophilia, zoophilia. You know, we went into sexual trauma. Um, we went into Tantra, which was Tantra was where the light started to shine like for me. Breath of fresh yeah, air. Zoophilia, I'm excusing myself. I'm excusing myself on zoophilia. It, it, it was interesting, though, because, well, with, yeah, I can't get into it here. There's too many. It, I, there's, there'll be a lot of judgments. But, I mean, because, you know, beforehand, you're like, and then you watch it, you're like, okay, okay, you don't want to talk about this publicly. Anyway, it's done. Yeah, it's done. So the bottom line is. You know, one I was like, oh God, thank God, there's no black people in this video. Um, that's all I. That's all I held on to pretty much the whole time. Um, but the, the tantra, I love coming across things that feel. Wait, can I ask one question about that? About this video. 
You know how you be like, don't yuck my yum? Yes. Are you right? Can I yuck that yum? I mean, I can't yuck nobody's yum because I'm doing the work. But you feel free. Like, that's your yuck if that's your yuck. I I will not be a sex therapist in this lifetime. So, yeah. You're going to, I see you pushing the buzzer. Like, I'm going to officially yuck this. Uh, it was it was very interesting. Eat all of the animals that you like as coming from a plant-based person. However, don't sleep with them. It was, okay, it was, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, you know, the feeling is full-on relationship. So there's bestiality, which is basically just using them for the sexual component. And then there's philia, which is like an actual relationship. You know, I was raised in the theater and there's a lot of plays actually yeah, about yeah. bestiality. About loving animals. Oh, zoophilia. Okay. And um, we had to read those plays yeah, quite yeah. often. And I was like, why is this a part of the canon? <laughs> I'm just sir. I mean, I think that was my low day because <laughs> I was feeling like anxious that we were going to go into these topics, you know? Of course it was yeah. your low day. Yeah, it was a rough day. It was a rough day. But, you know, so yeah, so there, that, that we, that, okay. I think, I think that night was the night that I, I basically crawled to the bed. I may have left you a cryptic voice message like, I may need an emotional call tomorrow. I think that sent me a text. I'm like, are you okay? Yeah, that might have. It was the morning after that that I think was the. I wanted to send you like a Kendrick song. Are you okay, my nigga? And it was just because the the beautiful thing about (laughs) sex therapy is like, it's expansion, right? Like, and so you expand a lot. Things you go in judging, you come out like, whoa, I never thought about it from that person. I mean, we wouldn't, that 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 day was also race play where. No. Yeah, where there was people who paid to be a part of scenes where they were um the one man was standing on an auction block with uh no. yeah confederate flag behind him and no. yeah so you know you know hard no yeah you know so that was a hard day is what i'm saying <laughs> and uh that was the day i crawled to, to, if, to if, the phone to if i've ever said it. i'm non-judgmental yeah. i lied i feel no. like we all lie <laughs> i feel like we all lie the next morning, though, was Tantra. And, um, tantra. T- tantra was, I love, love, love. Like, the more Ifa's opened me up in my life, it's more like I'm realizing it is just a matter of remembering. And so when something comes back into my space that I know I have done before, because I've thought of that and I've conceptualized that way, but I didn't have language for it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, I love that because like a piece falls into my life that I didn't have and like I'm remembering something from before. And so that's how it felt discussing Tantra. Like Tantra Mm -hmm. encompasses the reason I wanted to get into sex therapy and the reason I wanted to use it as a model for social change and um, particularly when working with black bodies. And so everything the woman was saying, I was like, this is what I've been articulating. This is what I've been conceptualizing. And it just gave language. And so it's crazy. You had to crawl through all of the other stuff to get there. Yeah. I I mean, Oh, metaphor. Oh yes. Oh life. (laughs) And so it's been like that, that piece was really the main thing that like stuck with me. And then I shared with you about an exercise that we did at the end and, some of the words people spoke into my life, literally, I felt that activate that Shakti energy and just like, boom, all the way through my chakras. I was, I was on that high for about a week after I came back. It was beautiful. And mm. I loved floating. So, you know, that was amazing. But um, yeah, coming back to that. And then, and then when I talked to you about it, you were like, I've been waiting. Yes. Even, even since I've gotten back, I'm not proactively looking for teachers because, you know, we, you and I talked about that. And a lot of the westernized versions of Tantra, just like everything else, yoga, Reiki, is very removed from the spiritual component. It's very much mm-hmm. over-sexualized or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. And so really seeking a teacher that is tapping into the balance of that, the masculine feminine energies and the understanding of that relationship to um Earth or Aie or Gaia, whatever you call Mother Earth, Pachamama, um, that that encompasses that. Like that's going to be the next journey, right? It's like attracting mm-hmm. that kind of teacher. Because even when I go online, it's like the first thing I see is just everything. It's highly sexualized. And again, I'm not. That's a, that's an aspect, but that's just like an aspect. It's a, a very narrow lens through which to see the entire practice. 
Um, For sure. We talked about this, y'all, about wanting our work here to really encompass a journey of sacred sexuality. Yeah. Pleasure, Tantra, like it's a a journey that I started some years back and I've been just like wanting more partnership around. I was around a lot of women that were really into yoni eggs, like Mm. a lot of things that that we're probably going to start talking about here Mm. that I think could use a new lens. Yeah. You know, because I think some of it gets a little bit, um, which, which I hear you saying when you're talking about the teachers gets a little bit. Um, commodified yeah, in a and way. narrow. Narrow. Um, uh, there's a price. Like, I think some something about the money piece for me yeah. and that part. The, and it should be, I mean, ideally, you know, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm yeah, a purist. Yeah. Like, I really like to practice things the way they were intended. I really don't like, you know, yeah. the, the, which is why I practice EFA. I was like, what is the, what is the core core? Yeah. Like I, and so for me, it's like also like who, who, who is your teacher and how does the lineage fall? Like in Reiki, there's a lineage. You're taught through a lineage. Right. And so a lot of people don't have a lineage. Same thing with anything I practice. Like if, if you're practicing these ancient traditions, I'm like, where's the lineage? Where's the line that links teacher to teacher and a pass down teacher to student? And a lot of people don't have it. They just maybe read a couple books and then it's like, I'm out here, which is, you know, I'm, I'm not yet no yum. Yeah. Right. But, yeah. but I, for me, because everything for me comes back to like this balance between spiritual um, enlightenment and actual manifestation, that relationship between Shakti and Shiva, then I need the, the creme de la creme yeah. of the lineage and the teachers. And that's what I want. That's what I desire. So I have a dope aluo because <laughs> I needed somebody who was like real and pure in that way. So I trust that that'll come our way, though. This book is dope. I'm enjoying yeah. it. Kali Rising. I think I down. I try to down, download it or order it in some way. It's I, really, really, I, I'm really enjoying it. So great. The teacher who taught me, her teacher wrote the book. And so next summer, or this summer, you'll be done. Hopefully. I still have to do a lot of like my online classes. All my in-person stuff is done. A lot of my web stuff is done, but I, I have been slacking on the take-home assignments because I don't want to do that. <laughs> but I'm I'm off. This is my first summer off. I'm really excited to do a combination of creating... The, the other thing that came through, a lot of things came through. Oya has been coming through quite a bit. Quite a bit. And she's, you know, she's like your, your grandmother. But mm, she's like, I know. The other day I was at my altar, salty, like about money stuff. Mm. And, you know, I was like doing my prayers. And and then I got up and, oh, yeah, I was like, so let me get this straight. This is how we talk. This mm-hmm. is how she talks to me, actually. I don't talk back that way. But she was like, you, when you want self care, you'll go do that. When you want peace, you will figure out how to make that happen. When you want joy, you'll figure that out. But when you want money, you want to sit here and look salty, go make your money. Right. Like, right. you know, that energy is very physical. It's very action oriented. And so one thing that she's requiring of me in the next, well, indefinitely, but definitely the next three months is um, action over thinking, mm. like to act and think less. Um, so you'll, so I'll be doing a lot more engagement, a lot more, like I have the webinar coming up and I'm going to do more webinars and I want to move into more live stuff. Like we've talked about that too. And Mm -hmm. um, so I think summer will be a lot of activity, um, a lot of action, but it it made sense. I I heard what you said. I get it. Like it's true. I'm when it comes to the, you know, the Shiva side, right. Which is the praise side is the masculine side. We're Mm -hmm. very comfortable, like, you know, positive thinking and, you know, attract law of attraction, and that's all very consciousness oriented, which is great. But there's nothing to illuminate through the consciousness if you're not manifesting. Mm-hmm. And so, her telling me to act the way mm-hmm. I act on these other things, and is just like a reminder of as above, so below. Yeah, it's not it's yeah. not exempt, and yeah. it's, to me, it's a holistic thing. Yeah. It's yeah. a whole to me the. Like um, my focus recently, I was like, I my emotions are in so many places. Like I'm not gonna really be focused on like paper like that right now. Right, right, right. And like I wanted to talk a little, probably end a little bit about support system. Yeah. Our our friend Khadija has sent 
a really great email yeah. about support. Grateful to read it, and it's this week. But I've been thinking a lot about how folks build support systems, and I'd like to do a future episode about it. But hers is and a, have her on maybe for that. She's I, doing that dope. I think work. I think that would be great. She's yeah. doing work with single moms and helping single love moms. Love it, love it, love it, love build it. support systems. When I posted and, it, I mean, the first time she did it, I got so many DMs about it. It's um, it's necessary. It is, and like I wanted to just. Give a special thanks to all the people I love mm-hmm. that have been showing up for me. Thank mm-hmm. you, Thea. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you. The list goes on and on. Yeah, like, I'm sure. I got like someone, my it was like a sister sent me mad money yesterday mm-hmm. just just off the love. Like, mm-hmm. hey, I know it's expensive to, I didn't know how expensive it was to have services. Yeah, I mean, just personally, like, yeah. gotta buy all my children like yeah. clothes and yeah. this and that, and so many things come up, yeah. and it's just a really big expense. And like, my folks have been showing up for mm. me on a daily basis. Like, my friends, my family, my partner, everybody's been showing up. Mm. Really, truly, like everybody's been sending me messages and voice memos. And folks that really know me, they know how much she means to me. And I didn't understand, I didn't know how many people knew me like that. Mm -hmm. Knew what an impact that this was for me. Mm -hmm. And people have just been really hitting me up consistently. Like, and you know, even when I'm not getting back to them, checking in, sending gifts, sending flowers, bringing, just bringing company, like first first days, like two of my best friends showed up with mm-hmm. food for breakfast for the children. So I didn't even have to think about that. Mm-hmm. Like just folks coming out and I'm just so grateful. Like that feeling of support. Yeah. That feeling, you know. Of tribe. Yeah. 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 Like that energy. Yeah. You know, she used to tell me, go to your next door neighbor and tell them that you love them. I was like, mom, I'm not going to do that. Like, I don't know them. She's like, no, go knock. I want you to go next door, knock on their door, and say, I love you. And I said, no, no, (laughs) I don't want to do that. But like the the way in which she lived in that way, and like she was a teacher of of like um, teaching blind children for Mm -hmm. a long time, like just the way in which she showed up in the world Mm -hmm. and how to love the world very unconditionally. And and express that love, like I know that that was a gift I was given, and to feel that reception back, you know, it has been so humbling. Yeah. In this last like week or so, I'm like, so grateful for people like her. Yeah. I like, think about. I think I was. We were doing an interview yesterday with a woman who does um, doula work for incarcerated women, mm-hmm. and. You know, I worked in the trenches for a long time. I worked, mm-hmm. you know, with um, within the foster care system and probation system and with those families. And, you know, thinking about her being a teacher really hits me because that those impacts, you know, are so, they have such a strong ripple effect. And they're not recognized every day. You know, I thought about, no. I think about her and I think about the women, um, we interviewed yesterday, and I think about the work that that my husband and I were doing at that time, and still try to do um, for sure an uplift. And like that's not Instagrammable, if that's no. right. That's not Instagrammable. You know what I'm saying? Like because these are people's personal lives and spaces, and um, I just feel like that creates so much good in the world that we don't recognize. So I just feel a lot of gratitude because I feel like we won't even be able to measure the impact of your grandmother. Just the part of her that was a teacher. Yeah. It's just one piece, Yeah, right? That's not even adding the layers of great-grandmother and grandmother and all these things. Yeah, just just that. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah, my my, uh, uncle recorded a podcast of her in January. And so um, in that podcast, and he sent it to me this Mm -hmm. week. I had no idea. So it was great. My biggest thing is I wanted to hear her voice. And she told a story about teaching... A um, a blind woman asking her if she a blind girl asking her if she'd ever be able to see, and it was a whole classroom full of blind children. They all wanted to know the same, and so she had to go home and come back 
and tell them the new way that they were going to be able to see in their life. You know, she she knew how to teach Braille, like, mm-hmm. but she gave them a vision of how to see the world and using their other senses, how mm-hmm. to see their world using their heart, mm-hmm. how to see their world using the way that their people will love them <sighs> back, you know? And she, I've got to listen to her talk about about her work in that way. And it just, it just really inspired me. So that's beautiful. I know it's time to wrap up. That was the perfect end. <laughs> like, right? Yes, it was a See perfect end. See the world end. with all your senses. Yeah. Experience the world with all your senses. And I just want to tell everybody, we know that it's kind of it's kind of crazy out here right now. Yeah. Um, I want to remind y'all, that's why we started this podcast, yeah. to have a place to really share our hearts, create more joy and pleasure in your world, you know. And so please just continue to share your heart with other people. Open your heart to the people around you. Share. It's been a really good conversation today. And we look forward to te- talking with you soon. We're going to be back on that weekly. And we got a guest. I'm going to be talking to my mom this oh, week. Yeah. So That's going to be so great. You guys are going to get to hear me and my mom talk probably next week. Yeah, I mentioned that to my mom and my sister, and it just went left. So we don't know <laughs> when Thea's family will be on the podcast. They started talking about what they could talk about. and what the, I just felt like it could get out of control. <laughs> So Inglewood. <laughs> I think what I might do is record us play a game of dominoes. <laughs> and then d- that might be the most way to capture the shit talking that occurs in my family. I will definitely be there to set up It'll the microphone. It'll be a great contrast <laughs> to listening to Noni and Valimar talk about Shiva and Shakti. Because y'all know my mom's a minister. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> So we love you. We're we hopefully, you. you know, hopefully we back most Wednesday. No, okay? we'll be back. We'll be back. We'll be back. Hopefully. Okay, we'll be back. We're going to make it work. <laughs> okay. All right, y'all. Bye.